Cloudspeaker Studios. Fort Collins, Colorado's Plasma Canvas has had quite the journey to get to this point. Having survived lineup changes, releasing their label debut during the uncertainty of a global pandemic, and personal hardships, the self-proclaimed loudest, gayest band in the world unleashes their full-length debut LP, Dusk, on February 17th, 2023, on Side One Dummy Records. The band is celebrating the release of the album with a number of concerts in Colorado coming up, including stops in Denver, Colorado Springs, and right here in Fort Collins. Welcome to Color Radio Spotlight. I am Chris, and I am joined today by frontwoman, guitarist, and all-around badass Adrian Ray Ash of Plasma Canvas. Adrian, how's it going? Uh, uh, it's it's great. That's damn. That's a lot to live up to. <laughs> I'll try not to disappoint. Hi, everybody. I don't think you could. So <laughs> it's going to be all right. So you have a new album coming out in just a couple of days here. Probably probably the day people hear this, but. Um, what, what do you want to say with Dusk as something that you've been building to for the last couple of years? It's honest. Yeah. People will think what they want. Um, I'm sure that there are the people who have been around for years that know us for... that know us for the riffs, you know, that might not be as stoked about it. I don't know. I try not to like assume that I know what anybody's going to think about it, but I, um, you know, I guess I'm just preparing my skin, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a very vulnerable record. There's a lot, there's a lot in it that I, um, have been wanting to share, but like just, haven't felt strong enough to. And I think that there's a little bit more of an entry point into this record that, um, you know, than was more accessible on previous releases. Like a lot of it was like, you know, me and Evelyn joining hands and flipping off the world because we like needed to get to know each other a little bit better. (laughs) And also like because those things that we were writing about were very important and are still very important trans rights, um, queer love, things like that. It's just, there's more to a human being than your stances on things. And with this record, I wanted to just create an experience and, and say something personal, say something really honest and meaningful. And, um, you know, to be honest, surviving a pandemic <laughs> had a lot to do with it because uh, Killer Majestic was like an hors d'oeuvre that we had people eating for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this is this is a meal, you know. It's um, Killer Majestic was 17 minutes long, had five tracks. They all sounded pretty different, and we just wanted them to be the catchiest, tightest, punchiest things that we had to serve to the world and say, please like us. And dusk is not that. <laughs> dusk is uh, dusk is a different thing, and I um, I think the people who understand it will appreciate it, and I think the people who understand what we actually do and what we actually are about and have always been about, um, you know, they'll they'll understand it and appreciate it. They might not, you know, necessarily enjoy every single part of it. 
but that's what I'm hoping for. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that there will be people who don't like this part or that part um, because that's, you don't, I don't want to please every bit of an audience, right? Because everybody likes different things. Yeah. And I would like to maybe put stuff out there that challenges people a little bit, even our like hardcore fans. I just kind of want to challenge what they think of us and what we are and what we do, because well, I always want to, I'm always interested in reclaiming that. That's, that's kind of what this record is. It's like a reclamation of, of this art. Mm-hmm. Well, and the, and the best art does tend to challenge us, right? Does tend to sort of, you know, knock on our perceptions and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Or have you tried looking at it this way? Cause if art's not pushing you to do that, then in some ways it's, uh, I don't want to say less meaningful, but it, it, you know, it doesn't hit the audience in the same kind of way if right. it doesn't challenge them to some degree, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. They're some of my favorite records. Um, you know, were both hated by the masses when they came out, and then grew into cult classics like the Shape of Punk to Come by Refused. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the hardcore kids hated that record when it came out, and now you know, like it's revered as like being a huge influence on countless bands. Um, I also have experiences with records and I know a great record and one that I really connect with by how much I hate it <laughs> when I initially listened to it. Sure. <laughs> because, um, you know, there, there were, there were some records that I listened to, um, Danger Days, uh, the true lives of the fabulous killjoys by my chemical romance is a really good example of that. Cause, uh, you know, I was like, what are these like, synth drums and like synth parts doing on my punk rock record like where is the new jersey misfits worship band you know where have they gone and then it grew on me um you know because i listened to it more than once and realized that it was just the same people doing what they wanted to do and that idea opened things up for me because if someone else can do what they want to do, even if it's not immediately popular with everyone that has been following them, uh, then I can do whatever I want to do. And that was sort of the, you know, that sort of thinking is what led me to start Plasma Canvas was like, I, I've been through projects where I've got to run my lyrics by a few other people and make sure that we as a band stand for this. And like, you know, it led to a lot of really shitty lyrics. Led a lot to it led led to a lot of like really boring, um, just vague storytelling. Wasn't much of a story to tell at that mm-hmm. point because it was sanitized, right? Right, yeah. Because yeah. it had to be approved, right? You know, it had to be you know it had to be like agreed upon. And if somebody had a thought about it, I wasn't you know I would defend it, you know, because I wrote the fucking song. <laughs> but like. You know, just implicitly knowing when I was writing things that I would have to make sure that this was okay with everyone first sure. was a hindrance. And I wanted to totally remove that. And that was why I started Plasma Canvas. And I, you know, I took these songs that I had written at the time and I just wanted to document them somehow as just like my truth because, you know, as. As, as a bummer of, of, a, of a thing that this is, you know, like as a trans woman, my life expectancy is not as high as everybody else's. Uh, 
and you know, I was like, I don't, I don't know how much time I've got on this earth and I would like to make my mark Mm -hmm. because you know, if shitty punk bands that have been playing the same crap for like 30 years are still, you know, able to draw a crowd, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I can do something (laughs) like, yeah, yeah. Why not you? Right. Right. Yeah. Why not me? And I think that's the message I want everybody to take from what we do is like, why not you? And, um, you know, it, it, it was, it was intended to just be like a, a way to, to, to be more honest and to, to be more vulnerable and, um, just, just to make better art. I knew that the only way that it was going to be sustainable was if I could just tell my truth Mm -hmm. and, you know, see what happened after that. And, you know, it's gone over a lot of evolutions through the years, you know, from being like, a solo project with like just a bunch of weird songs that didn't make sense, but kind of worked together, um, you know, to, to like solidifying as a two piece and staying that way for like five years to, you know, expanding the band and like just trying all these different layers out. It's, it's something that I've always been conscious of and always wanted to, to keep in mind was like not to be boxed in because, Mm -hmm. You know, only being able to like play one guitar part and sing one thing at a time, and like you know, it, it it was hard. It was a creative box, and I just decided like we're not, I'm not gonna live in that box. Yeah, no reason to. <laughs> yeah. Right, your your creativity needs needs to be able to breathe, needs to be able to expand, and you can't do that when you have such kind of limiting parameters around it. Yeah, and you know, and that's like just within the project, and you know, that's not even saying that for. You know, metalheads and punks, groups of people that couldn't give a shit less about what anybody thinks. They sure got a lot of fucking rules. <laughs> right, right. You know, they yeah. sure got a lot of rules. <laughs> so, Well, and especially these days in this sort of like with the advent of so much, you know, the quote unquote cancel culture of the Internet as it is. Like you have to double check and triple check that everything you say is right and that the, everything is completely unassailable by, you know, bad faith actors. And it's this whole sort of pressure that you have to put yourself under as someone who creates art and puts that out into the world of like how are people going to take this am i saying this the right way is it gonna is it gonna piss off this person is it gonna piss off this person you know that there's that does sort of like make the world that you can inhabit with your art smaller and smaller and smaller and has got to be stifling i gotta imagine yeah it's a it's weird, you know, like I try not to let myself think about it. I think there's, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword, right? Because like we've done a lot of growing as a society, like, mm-hmm. you know, some would say growing backwards, but I, on the other hand, uh, as much as there are like hugely like terrifying threats to, you know, trans lives right now, especially trans people of color, black trans women have like the highest murder rate of like any population, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's just... Uh, it that really freaks me out but there's also um oh geez not to get real bleak but i lost my train of thought that's all right (laughs) that's all right um Uh, let's uh let's listen to something from the album uh this is the first single off of dusk which is out this friday on side one dummy this is blistered work
Caller Radio Spotlight here on Loudspeaker. I am talking with Adrian Ray Ash of the band Plasma Canvas, whose new album Dusk comes out February 17th on Side One Dummy. Uh, we just heard Blistered World, and the very first, this was the very first single from the album, and it begins with the line, it's a blistered world, but I won't let it kill me. Um, you've been open in the past about your personal struggles. Um, how have those struggles informed this album? Well, um, you know, personal struggles like that, that's kind of what the album is, you know, it's, it's a processing of that. Um, but speaking on blistered world specifically, um, you know, I remembered what I was going to tell you a second ago, which is like, you know, despite how bleak everything is, backlash is a sign of progress, Right. right? Like we're only getting so much hatred because we're getting so much more recognition and inclusion in society and culture. And like, you know, people are starting to, you know, whether like cringely, liberally, you know, like, <laughs> you know, in the most like Democratic Party kind of way. Right, um, right. <laughs> you know, like w even if it's lip service or, you know, just like just even the inclusion of like a trans character in a, in a thing, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot more of us, you know, written by us in, in the world. And I think that that's, you know, it's, it's not the end solution. It's, it's just, um, you know, it's, it's, it's progress. Yeah. It's a baby step in the right direction. And that's kind of what blistered world is, is just like, it's, yeah, it is a blistered world out there. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucked up. It's it's hard to exist as a human being. It's even harder to exist, like you know, um, as a person of color. Um, it's hard. It's hard to exist as like any kind of marginalized identity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I only know my experience as like a white white trans woman, but like you know, it's it, it's rough out there. <laughs> um, but the point is, it, you have to keep going because who who's going to do it for you? Mm -hmm. You know, no one's going to do it for you. And if, if I don't, if I don't tell my story and make my mark and, and make my presence known, um, then those bastards win, you know, yeah. every, everybody who wants to just like stifle out our existence wins. It's like the dichotomy of oppression, right? They continue to win in part because those who are there keeping down don't fight back, you yeah. know? So by putting yourself out there, by putting your art out there, that is that is part of your rebellion. That is part of you saying, like, I won't accept, you know, the, this treatment, this handling, the, the way the world views, you know, these things. It's more about, like, hey, I am here. People like me are here. And you need to, you know, you need to make way for us. Yeah, I think, um, you know, a, a pretty mundane way to describe it, a pretty, like, straightforward way to describe the song would be uh it's a celebration of just getting by mm -hmm. it's a celebration that that's enough yeah absolutely i i would agree and i think you know we we tend to get down on ourselves a lot because oh i didn't do this great big thing or oh i could have done this better sometimes just waking up every morning is a victory you yeah. know or whenever you wake up it doesn't have to be the morning i guess but the fact that like you get up and you keep going on um is powerful and that is enough um, especially when uh, when you exist in a world that uh, isn't the most kind or fair to you. Right. 
it's a, you know, that song is also about just kind of recommitting to call out the best in yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, you know that you're capable of better than where you've been and what you've been doing. So act like it. <laughs> yes. You know, just yes. kind of a recommitment to, like, why we started doing this in the first place and, like, what it means to me now as a 32-year-old woman. Like, where you know, I started this project when I was 25, and I, you know, I had different views on things, and I think that's good. I couldn't have made this record a few years ago. And so a song like Blistered World comes out of the need to, like, evaluate where you are right now and mm-hmm. what what you're doing to get in your own way and how do you stop doing that? And, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you just become the best version of yourself when things like local scene beefs and like street cred and you know your your weight or whatever like your appearance like the these things start to like matter more and less at the same time um you know and it's it's just about like becoming the the best equipped version of yourself to Mm -hmm. to deal with the world and like what kind of person do you want to be remembered as like these are the things i'm starting to ask myself now it's like what do i want people to think of when they think of me like I want them to think that I'm someone who cares, like someone who like wants them to know that they're enough. You started Plasma Canvas when you were 25 and you're 32 now. What would you say to 25 year old Adrian? Uh, I don't know if like, uh, I don't know. I'm big into science fiction, so I don't know if I could mess with the time loop. <laughs> right. <You know>? right. <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, you know, she needed to, she needed to fall on her face a bit a few times and she did. <laughs> and so, um, you know, there's, there's definitely like, you know, we all grow. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if I would have told myself like, just wait, kid, big things are going to happen. <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, it would have gone way to my head. Um, you know, I don't think I would have told her anything. Um, but I think she tells me that, um, I'm working on myself a lot more now, and that's a continuous effort, and I'm worth that effort. Absolutely. Well, and I, and I can tell, too, like, just in the progression of, like, you know, speaking as your friend, like, it's having a conversation with you three years ago and having a conversation with you now, incredibly, incredibly different in the most positive way possible, because you're more sure of yourself, you're more confident, um, you're you're much more able to elucidate your ideas and your thoughts and your feelings. And that's a wonderful thing to see just as a, as a friend in kind of a selfish way. So, um, kudos, um, killer majestic came out in a really strange time because it hit in June of 2020 when the entire world was locked down, you weren't able to tour, uh, in support of that EP. What, what was the process like between then and now of, kind of struggling through the pandemic, and how did that affect you? Siri detected an error. You are trying to access a memory that has been deleted. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. You know, in truth, um, our world fell apart. It was the worst time of our entire lives, as it probably was with everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think anybody was having a great time. (laughs) But, you know, it's, you know, I I can't say like, but it really sucked for us. But, you know, just know that it absolutely sucked for us, too. 
Um, and I know that anybody listening to this show or anybody who's been to one of our shows or listened to our music, like they, you know, you don't listen to Plasma Canvas unless you're kind of going through it. Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I mean, maybe some of you do, but like, geez, there's some depressing stuff in there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, um, it was rough. It was really rough. We had a tour lined up with Lagwagon and Less Than Jake. And we were absolutely stoked. We were over the moon because that's like, that's kind of how it works, right? You know, you get one really cool tour like that, and it's pretty rare that it happens. And then you do that, and you take whatever money you can get from the guarantee. Like, you don't really care because you're there to make an impression. You're mm-hmm. prepared to lose money. We didn't care at all. We were ready to climb on up Mm -hmm. um and you know that that would be the start of the snowball right and you know from off the back of that tour you either tour by yourself off the notoriety you gain from that tour or you find another tour that you can hop onto. like usually that's how things build um but you know obviously that fell apart (laughs) and uh none of that happened right so uh what we did do was cry a lot and um same yep same yeah it um putting out uh you know i don't necessarily have disdain for killer majestic it is what it is and i'm proud of what it was able to do despite what it is um but uh you know all the songs were honest on that record but i remember consciously writing a couple of them like you know well People will like this, and the algorithms will too. Mm-hmm. And um, yep, and now we have a most played song that we don't play because <laughs> we don't like playing it. Uh, we, you know, we played it live once, and uh, you know, in the last couple of years, and the people who were there didn't seem stoked in the crowd. And, and which like, song was that? Uh, we don't talk about it. All right, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. But uh, you know, I talked to one of my friends after the show, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, it just kind of felt like you didn't want to play it." And we were like, "Yeah, we didn't." And they were like, "Well, that makes sense." So yeah, the the pandemic definitely screwed up a lot of things for a lot of people. Well, I think bands especially felt that you know, particularly hard. It, it it was like, you know, we, we wrote the record before the pandemic, obviously. We wrote it in like November 2019. But like, you know, this record just, you know, with these like skate punk tracks on it and like, you know, stuff that would have found a home on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Right. You know, like during a time when everyone's burying their friends and loved ones, um, that was pretty rough. That was a pretty rough sell. Nobody was really interested in that time. Um, yeah, and they didn't. Do, they didn't need to be reminded to be sad. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was weird. Like you know, because like there, there's like a really loud, crazy song at the beginning that's just about like "fuck you" or plasma canvas. <laughs> yeah. um, and then you know, the second song was uh, intended to be a much slower song. Um, it was just about like total suicidality. Uh, third song was a love song. Um, fourth song redacted and then the fifth song uh (laughs) it's um yeah i don't know it's 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 a good record like Mm -hmm. i think the songs are good it's just um i remember being aware of like trying to like do the most with it you know and dusk feels more honest 
but you know, whenever we were trying to like tell people about this record, I was just kind of regretting some things. Like I wish we could have just made a whole record right now, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And you know, um, well, and it serves as a time capsule. And, and if I can, if I can, yeah. uh, if I can throw my two cents in to sort of uh, defend it <laughs> to a degree, I, I, I like it. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Majestic it. is an awesome EP. There's some great stuff on it, and I think it is. It's a taste of your potential, right? And as a as a fan, not you know, set, setting my friend hat aside and putting my fan hat on, it's more like. Man, this is so fucking good. I cannot wait to see like what the full realization of their potential is. And honestly, I feel like Dusk is certainly that. I have had need stuck in my head <laughs> for weeks. And, you know, if you look at your Spotify stats, I'm guessing half of them are me. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, let's take a listen now to Need off of the album Dusk from Plasma Canvas out February 17th via Side One Dummy Records. I am here with Adrian Ray Ash. We'll be right back after this. <laughs>
welcome back to Call Radio Spotlight. I am Chris. I am here with the lovely Adrian Ray Ash of Plasma Canvas. Their uh, debut full-length album, Dusk, is out soon on Side One Dummy Records, and you can pre-order it now on SideOneDummy.com. Um, this being your first full album with Side One Dummy, I, I think that a lot of people make this assumption that when a band is signed to a label that their life just gets easy that the label takes care of everything and you get played on the radio and you're making millions of dollars and there's a lot of misconceptions out there about what being signed to a label means so like can you talk about how some of those uh, what some of those misconceptions are and, and kind of the reality of being a an artist so i can only speak from my own experience um you know, uh, working with a label is kind of, it's, you know, it's a different experience than doing things DIY. Like there, there are certain things that like just happen differently. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, for instance, as a DIY artist, I could put out music whenever I wanted to, um, you know, and I didn't have to like wait around for the whole process to happen, um, for better or worse. 99% of the time it was worse. <laughs> Um, but well, there's know, no filter, right? It's completely just raw. It's like, here it is, here it is. I don't have to check with anybody. It's just boom. Yeah, like, here are my feelings. I don't have an edit button. Here you go. Yep. I've, I added some shitty recording to it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Everybody pay me money now. Right, right. Support starving artists. You know, like, it's... <laughs> I, I'm still DIY in a lot of ways, you know? And I think that that's... Um, I think that that's kind of an important thing to remember is like just because like you're working with some people to like do a thing to help your band. It's it's not necessarily that all your problems go away. Right. Like, and you still have to do a ton of work. Like basically, you know, it works as like a like a loan, you know, like the label will pay for you to get like your recordings tracked and like the, the album pressed and stuff and like the merch made. Um, but you have to go out and sell it. <laughs> and so that means you got to have a van. Um, you got to have your own. Uh, you just pretty much have to, you know, labels like working with artists who know how to help themselves, you know, mm -hmm. and like booking agents, same thing. Like, you know, everybody likes to put gas into a car that they know runs. Sure. And so like you pretty much get into working with labels and stuff like that because you're already kind of, doing a lot of things on your own pretty well. And, you know, one of, you know, there's, there's a misconception that like record label equals money. Right. <laughs> um, and it's complicated because like, you know, they pay for things to, to happen. Like, you know, we're really grateful that, you know, they threw side one dummy, we were allowed to record at the blasting room twice. Like that's something that like a lot of bands around here aspire to do one time for like a two song demo or something to be sure. like, Hey mom, I did this. And I got to do that two times. I'm insanely grateful for that. Uh, you know, they, they paid for that to happen and for like, for me to be able to hold the copy of the vinyl record in my hands available at side one dummy.com. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, you know, I'm worried that like people will see my punk rock parody of that and think I'm like a hundred percent legit <laughs> with, that, with that goofy joke. Um, but you know, like working with a label is cool and it's, you know, just an experience that I'm grateful for. 
So, um, but at the same time, uh, the, the days of like the seventies where like bands would get signed to a label and they'd get a gazillion dollars and fly around on private jets. That's uh, that's very, very far gone. Right. Yeah. Like these days it's kind of like being an entrepreneur, like, you know, without like making loads of money. Yeah. <laughs> you, you still, ha- you still have to hustle just as hard, if not harder, but the rewards are much, much smaller in, in comparison. Yeah. Like zero people I know, um, only play music like I mean there's a very 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 small number and those are the people that I want to learn from you know but um, a lot of people uh, have misconceptions about what it means to work with a record label and you know I think it depends on the label Warner Brothers is going to treat you differently than Epitaph is going to treat you differently than you know um, you know any of the like more indie labels mm-hmm. um, is going to treat you differently than the guy down the street who like has you know the stuff to like distribute you know some copies of your cassette or whatever right you know it's it's about the size of the label the people involved and like you know the relationship because you know it's everybody everything's run by people you've you got to find the right fit right the the right people to work with the right the right sort of feeling of how it's going to work because it's it's got to work for you obviously like you know record labels are in business to make money as all businesses are and that's kind of one of their driving factors but especially with some of these smaller labels or the more kind of niche labels like side one dummy like anti like matador you know obviously they want to make money but they're also there because you know they want to put out good music yeah. And and you you've got to have kind of a feeling out process to sort of determine like what are what are your end goals in this? Let's make sure we're kind of aligned. Yeah. Yeah, and uh it, yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it's really cool that like you were able to record at the blasting room like thankfully, you know, li- living in Fort Collins, we happen to be in a place where there's a world renowned uh recording studio uh run by you know punk rock legend bill stevenson what uh can you talk about what it's like to record with bill and to record at the blasting room yeah honestly um i spent most of my time just like rubbing my body on the walls like just trying to absorb even just a tiny little bit of the magic yeah and then i remember that you know there's maybe some like not so great bands that have recorded there too and i was like well geez maybe i'll maybe i should just like do my laundry and take a shower uh no it it was great um it's it's always fun to work with bill and andrew um and jason everybody over there does a top top notch job um you know it's it it's always felt like they they really cared about what they were making with us and they wanted it to be cool and um you know it, it, it was a great learning experience just you know because i've recorded in a lot of different settings that's definitely the top most professional rig that I've like recorded in, um, you know. But I've I've done like my own home recordings. I've gone to a guy's house where he renovated part of his house to be a studio and did it. You know, I've I've, uh, um, but blasting room is on another level mm-hmm. because the you know it's I think it's just when you get to that tier of professionalism, there's a certain standard, and you know. They they just the the one thing I noticed about that studio um, was just like where maybe somebody else would have used a plug in or like used um, 
you know, a shortcut of some kind to get something done. Like some kind of artificial means. Yeah, yeah. like blasting room. They're they're smart about the way they do things, but you know, they they they're always like making sure every last detail of everything's right. And they they make sure that they do it the right way and not the way that just, you know, saves time. Because, you know, as much as they're about, like, getting things done efficiently, they also want it to be done well Mm -hmm. and, you know, really good. And you don't don't get bands like Rise Against coming through there and recording amazing records um, by having no standards. Right, (laughs) right. Those, yeah, like those records speak for themselves. And, you know, the amount of care that goes into the production is, is very apparent. And I'm fortunate to have been able to go there and do that and learn from them. Because it's very, very cool to watch. Yeah, I bet. Like, just the, the, the amount of names that have come through recording there. Obviously, like, Rise Against has done, what, like, their last five albums there. And, like, Less Than Jake's recorded there. No FX has recorded there. And Plasma Canvas has recorded there. I've got to imagine, like, if, if I were you, that would be one of those things that I'm looking back when I'm on when I'm in my, like, 90s going, yeah, I did that. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not to, like, just completely wax your car, but, I mean, come on. <laughs> it's it's fucking awesome. So you talked a little bit about, like, you know, beefs in the punk scene. I don't want to, like, get into, like, the drama of it, but just in the time that you have spent, like, on the Plasma Canvas project, like, how have you seen... Uh, the the punk scene in Colorado um, change. Oh man, uh, I don't know, and I think that's the point. Um, and something I'm working on is considering everyone else's perspective. And I think that um, in order for me to like say what I think the scene has turned into or hasn't, I mean, I think that's, there's a couple of ways you could answer that, right? Like, well, it used to be like this and now it's like this, but that comes from me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't, I think there's a lot more queerness, which is great. Or maybe I just didn't know where all my people were. You know, which is why I hesitate to answer the question. Sure. It's because, like, you know, um, I've had people tell me that, like, you know, Plasma Canvas, like, sort of, like, created, like, carved its own niche and, like, made the queer punk scene here. Like, it wasn't really here. Like, there, there was a punk scene that, like, queers played in, but then, like, you know, Plasma Canvas fans came along and, like, became a meme, kind of. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, we're, yeah. we're like, uh, <laughs> there was a... There Having was been a... to many Plasma Canvas shows, <laughs> I can absolutely attest to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, I like to think that we made our mark and made it a little bit gayer. <laughs> um, you know, I... Honestly, these days I don't really run with the loudest gayest band in the world thing. Like it kind of, you know, it still applies. It's forever going to apply. But, you know, we've had like a couple of different like mottos, um, you know, and I remember my favorite one has always been that we're a sparkly Andro Thunder Punk band. But, um, you know, uh, this record is like serious. So like, (laughs) geez. So like you don't have time for that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. just because we're loud and gay doesn't mean we got to be about that, okay? Like, I made art. Because I'm like, an artist. really, really sensitive and yeah. deep, and I'm, like, an artiste. <laughs> that, but unironically. 
Yeah, I want to. I want to be ironic there. So you're, bad. you're entering David Lynch territory. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't tell you what it means. Yeah, it just is. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I don't know. It's you know, Dusk is about um, you know, at the core of it, Dusk is about like trying to be a better person and like um, you know, processing a lot of real feelings and uh, you know, trying to trying to like have empathy for myself. And, uh, you know, so it's been an exercise in, in demons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been an exercise of demons, but it was, uh, it was less a record that I wanted to make and one that I really, really needed to make in order to do whatever else I was going to do yeah. in my life. Like, that's, that's how this record feels. It, it feels like my life's work. Like, it, it feels like the, the thing, the weight that I've been trying to put off of me uh, and, uh, you know, I think the next thing we do is going to be like probably more fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it certainly feels like this, this album is kind of the, the getting the monkey off your back, the, the, the journey of self care in order to go to whatever that next level is for you, not only as an artist, but personally. Um, and that's really wonderful to see just that progression. The fact that like, you know, you were here, but now you're up here and then who knows where you'll be tomorrow. Right. What's uh, your favorite song on the album? Like, what are you most excited for people to hear? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, talk about pressure. <laughs> well, there's the three singles, you know, that we chose because they, they felt like they were really good entry points. And so I'm interested in seeing how it develops over time um, where, where someone jumps into it. Because, like, the first one was Blistered World. Like, okay, I'm going to listen to more of this pop punk band. You know, and then there was need that's like, okay, I'm gonna listen to more of this emo shoegaze band. <laughs> and then there was election year relapse that was like, cool, I'm gonna listen to more of this like stoner grunge band. <laughs> uh, so I I don't really know. Like it's a lot of my influences are are hanging out on this record, mm-hmm. and I I'm stoked about that. <laughs> well, and it's really cool because it shows it shows just how multidimensional you are and and the band is you know there's there's lots of different flavors even just within within punk and you don't have to be um siloed off as one thing you can be you can do some shoegaze you can do some art punk you can do some dance punk you can do whatever the hell you want and there's lots like like you said lots of different entry points for those different things so it's kind of like you know if you're into punk music at all it's like hey there's something for everyone here which is really cool I have to say, from a from the part of me that really enjoys deep cuts, I will shout out my favorite deep cuts on this record. Um, so, "Dusk," the title track, took me ten years to write. Wow! And uh, you know, it's because like I, I, I just uh, well, no, I don't want to spoil it. It took me ten years to get it right. And I'm glad that I waited so long before committing it to something because it wasn't ready and mm-hmm. now it is. Um, so definitely, definitely excited for the title track, uh, the death afterwards, and then the piece that follows, um, which is something that sounds really weird right now. But when you listen to the record, you'll get it. <laughs> it and, makes sense when you hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then... Um, there's a song on this record. It's called Soft, and I wrote it for the love of my life, Nova, my partner. 
Um, and the lyrics are pretty sparse, but it's harmonies the whole time. And, you know, I don't actually listen to The Cure that much, but I have an idea of what The Cure sounds like in my head. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was going for on that song. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, uh, I've listened to a bunch of The Cure. But it wasn't just The Cure. It was just like, how can I tell a person how much I love them with, 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 with music? And it was, it's a song, you know, that's not just like, you know, a big love bomb, because that's, that's what that would be. But it's, it's about how much I love the mundane with this person. How much I love, you know, as like every, everything everywhere all at once, but at laundry and dishes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love that. Well, there's beauty in that mundane, right? When, you're, when you are with the right person and it just feels right you know you could be doing your taxes but you're doing it together and it's a different type of experience it's a song about that you know just gratitude for the present and just you know i had because up until that song i had only written two kinds of love songs and they were either um i've got a crush and i'm trying to impress you with this (laughs) or i can't get over this like this is uh it's tearing me apart Sometimes they were the same song. But, uh, <laughs> you know, this is the first time that I had written a song just about being grateful for where I am and the person that I'm with who has helped me become a better person and that I've done so much growing with and just, like, the biggest show of, of love and gratitude and, you know, warmth and safety for them. Um, so that's, you know, Dusk and Soft are my, you know, my Adrian Ash, like my two favorite songs on the record. And the rest are all pretty good too. <laughs> <laughs> like the rest are all right, but those are my favorites. I mean, the, those are the ones that are like, I don't know. There, there's a lot of them that, I mean, they're all close to my heart, mm-hmm. but you know, there were definitely some that were really personal, um, really hard to write. Most of them actually, uh, pretty much all of them except for soft and you know just there's there's a lot of pain there but it's it's not it's not all pain like there is some beauty there and being grateful for the beautiful moments with someone who understands you and keeps you safe and that you keep safe you know that 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 quiet understanding of the things that you share um it's invaluable. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's the thing worth keeping in mind is just how important it is to, you know, in between all of the the bleak and the nothingness and the heartache, to remember the the beautiful little quiet moments with the people that we love. I can't think of a better way to end it than with that. There's nothing I could say that would make that any better. Um, Adrian Ray Ash, it has been wonderful having you on Caller Radio. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, we're on all the socials, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, just at Plasma Canvas. Um, got Plasma Canvas at Bandcamp.com uh, for, you know, the things. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, just uh, we're on all the streaming services. Dusk is out everywhere. We got uh, a couple shows coming up this Friday. 
February 17th at Seven Circle Music Collective, the 18th at Vultures in Colorado Springs, and March 4th at the Aggie Theater here in Fort Collins, which will be our big old record release party. That is going to be so much fun to be at. And I believe there's a there's a code, is it Dusk 13, to save on fees for that as well? Yep. Awesome. So Dusk is out on Side One Dummy Records. You can pre-order the LP, double LP, which is pretty rad, um, at SideOneDummy.com. And you can find links to the shows and all things Plasma Canvas at Linktree.com slash Plasma Canvas. Adrian, thank you so much for being with us. And thank you so much for making Dusk. I cannot wait for other people to hear it. It's really fantastic. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This has been a listener-supported production of Loudspeaker Studios. For more on this and other programs, visit loudspeaker.org.